Get ready to step into scripture with Tina. Hey everyone, my name is Tina Wilson. I'm a pastor's wife and a mom of seven. Alongside my husband, Matt, I've committed my life to serving King Jesus as a Bible teacher, an author, a church planter, and an advocate for all in family ministry. I want to welcome you to Step Into Scripture. In this first season of this podcast, together with my friend Stacy, we are pointing people toward King Jesus by encouraging them to read the entire Word of God, Genesis to Revelation. And we're doing that by dispelling excuses or mm-hmm. objections that people have as to why that's not the thing that they want to do. So in season one, we undertook this by polling a large group of women in our church and asking them that very question— What is a reason that you've heard or maybe used or felt in your heart about why you don't need to, don't want to, don't have to commit yourself to reading the entire Word of God? Now, leading up to this point, we've dispelled nine objections in season one. Right. It's impossible to read and understand the whole thing. False. False. Right? I don't have time to read the whole Bible. Overruled. (laughs) I prefer topical studies over the whole text. Overruled. This seems monotonous. Overruled. It was written by man. False. It's filled with contradictions. False. I've already read the whole thing. Unlikely and overruled. Or I need to know the most important stuff first. Invalid. And I don't need to read the Old Testament because I live under the New Covenant. That's Illogical, false, and overruled. Okay, so glad we got that there. If you missed any of those episodes, I hope you'll go back and check them out with your Bible open. Yeah, for sure. Because even if you don't object to reading the whole Bible, there's some really great teaching around mm-hmm. the dispelling of those objections. So you just might know something new. Now, we're going to wrap up season one, not by mm-hmm. answering an objection this time, but by making an assertion. Yes. So, Stacy, if you'll bring us in by introducing the declaration that we intend to make today. Oh, I'm so excited that we've come to this point. So, all of you know me. My name is Stacy Vines. I, it has been an absolute pleasure stepping through Scripture in this very first season Walking through these objections, Tina and I have been stepping through Scripture for years now. It is a banner that we have flown many times together to read the entire thing from start to finish. And so this episode is kind of like the crown. We've been waiting to to rally this call. Um, And here is why you need to read it. So first of all, um, if you are ready to make the commitment or maybe along the way you've made the commitment for the first time to read the Bible from start to finish— Let us be the first to congratulate you um, and to give you all the praise hands. Uh, Right now in this season, I'm walking along, Tina and I, a handful of women um, who are reading the Bible for the first time and reading it for the first time from start to finish. And so it is certainly a journey and a hefty commitment, but one well worth the effort. And so congratulations, and we applaud you. So to get us started in why you should and why you need to read the Bible, we're going to begin with... um, a, a glimpse at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and effective, and sharper than any double edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the ideas and the thoughts of the heart. And I'll read 13 No creature is hidden from him, but all things are exposed to the eyes of him. Uh, to whom we must give an account. When we want to know why should we, why do we need to read Scripture, again, Scripture can answer itself. 
We need to be seen by God. We need to be known by God, and we need to know God and to see God. And we do that through the living, breathing Word of God. So this commitment will absolutely change your life as you are pulled closer to God. Tina often calls it being wooed by God. I love the way she puts that. Uh, And that's what this is. This Bible is one story unfolding around one desire by God Himself to restore what He created to Himself to be in perfect unity once again. And that is why we should read it. And we're going to go through that today, this unfolding story of what is really happening in this one Uh, This one story God is trying to tell us. Yeah, because that is the story that woos us. Yeah, that's right. It's incredible. So we want to go back to the very beginning for this episode. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. And from that time, when man and woman sinned, they left a perfect first love. From that time, Mm -hmm. when they made that decision, God made a promise. And that promise was that he was going to crush the head of the serpent who had lured man and woman away, and he was going to restore what had been lost. Something huge was lost in that first decision to sin. And it was first love. It was perfect love. Mm -hmm. It was perfect harmony, perfect fellowship. It was God, man, and woman all together in the garden. And so that restoration that God promised to restore that perfect love, that perfect fellowship, the perfect relationship, that's what the entire Bible is all about. That's God's story. And so that's what we're going to dig into as we close out this season one and explain why you need to read the Bible. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, God created the heavens, the earth, and everything in them. He created mankind in his own image, and he loved him. Mm And everything was good. And in Genesis, we have this picture of God walking around with man in the cool of the day. There's this perfect fellowship. Mm -hmm. There was unity and there was perfect love in the beginning. But the first man and first woman, like we said, they left that perfect love when they were lured away. They trusted Satan, a serpent, who tempted them to follow their evil desires. But God, before that, was fully present with them in, in body and in heart. And I think we miss that in that verse where it talks about God is walking in the garden in the cool right. of the day, and he calls out to the man, where are you? Mm-hmm. Because we focus on the latter half of that verse, the where are you? Mm-hmm. We're thinking, oh man, You're somebody's in trouble. In trouble. Mm-hmm. But the beauty of that verse is in the beginning, yeah. that God's just walking around in a garden. Mm-hmm. God Almighty, where people are living. And so in their sin... Adam and Eve broke that perfect relationship, and so they were banished from the garden where perfect love had first bloomed. But here's the key. Here's the key to God's story. Although mankind left that, Mm -hmm. God never did. Instead, he started immediately advancing a plan to restore it. Mm -hmm. And so he was going to uh, take the penalty for the serpent's deception, the very penalty that was going to be issued in response to this sin spelled out how he was going to remedy it, the restoration he was going to bring. Genesis 3.15, a key verse here. It says, God giving the punishment for sin to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head 
and you will strike his heel. Satan would strike Jesus' heel when Jesus was crucified, but Jesus was going to crush the serpent's head when he resurrected. So that drama is foretold in that scripture, Genesis 3.15, in the very beginning of the Bible, and then it's repeated in the very end of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Here's how it's said in the book of Revelation, and we'll just read Revelation 12, 9, and 10. That great serpent was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil or Mm -hmm. Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled down to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God Mm -hmm. and the authority of the Messiah for the accusers of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. See, in the beginning, you have a picture of Satan having this access to God where right. he could act in the role of accuser. We read the book of Job and see that Satan comes before God to accuse Job. He doesn't really love you. He just appreciates what you can do for him. Sure. But it has already been foretold in the book of Genesis that that was going to be crushed. And Jesus' victory over death is when that was accomplished. Satan is hurled down and our accuser is no longer before the Father creating this rift between us, but now Jesus, our advocate and our mediator, sits before him. So that's what the whole Bible is about, is this story of this restoration unfolding, introduced in the book of Genesis, sealed in the book of Revelation. Absolutely. And in the in-between is where we find God make several attempts to keep his end, and at every turn, he keeps his end of the deal. Yes. And so what we're going to go through next is we're going to walk through the covenants. So as Tina opened us up, this beginning to end, total good picture of the goodness of God and all of the what he started, he accomplished. Yeah. But there's a lot that's happened in between. And we now sit with all of the information awaiting his return, um, that final consummation. So in this unfolding plan, in this unfolding restoration plan that God has started in the beginning and already told us exactly how he was going to accomplish it along the way, we see him make covenants with mankind. And a covenant is a legally binding uh, agreement between two parties. And it's often uh, summarized or ratified by an oath or other means, usually placing a demand on one or both parties. And so I've, I've heard, Tina, we've talked together about this concept. And in one of those teachings, you gave the example, you have a responsibility and I have a responsibility. I'll keep mine if you keep yours. But luckily for us, uh, praise the Lord, He doesn't operate that way with covenants that He makes. Even if we don't keep our end of the deal, He keeps His. Um, But it does come with consequences. And so as we walk through these covenants that we see God enter into, uh, we'll see how He keeps His end of the deal and what are the consequences when mankind uh, breaks their side of it. So the very first covenant that we're going to walk through is the Abrahamic covenant. And so this was a covenant where God uh, enters into a uh, a relationship with Abraham. This is the patriarch of the faith, right? The one who who is called out of his homeland, doesn't know where he's going. He, He follows God. And God says, because of your faithfulness, I will make your descendants as numerous as the sand on the seashores. He is in a best friend relationship with God, right? And it's because of his faithfulness. In that covenant, we see the terms defined in Genesis 15 and 17. And here's what that looks like in a summary. God was going to give Abraham the descendants, this nation of Israel. And it had a very important purpose, but their their goal was to make it to the promised land and then to possess it. And so Abraham uh, was to believe 
and walk faithfully with God and to circumcise his descendants as an entry requirement into this covenant. That was the demand. That was his buy-in. He had to be faithful. He had to walk with God, and he had to circumcise those in his family. God knew later what would come from this nation. He was building up an entry door for all of us, and it started with Abraham. Uh, As we move forward through the history of God's unfolding story, we see that uh, right at 500 years later, these descendants of Abraham, those who were to walk faithfully with God, to be circumcised and to have faith in God, to go into the promised land and to possess it, Um, A lot of garden language there. This is yours. Take care of it, right? Uh, They, who likely numbered over a million, they broke their covenant with God. And so God sent a redeemer and or sent a deliverer for them. And here's where we meet the Mosaic covenant, um, a time where man walked away from their commitment to God. And God said, okay, I'm going to keep my end of the deal but let's renew. I want this relationship. And so he enters into this covenant with Moses because even though the nation of Israel had walked away, they had not worshiped the Lord with their whole heart, God was still going to meet them in his responsibilities, the covenant, and he was going to re-enter that relationship with them through this Mosaic covenant. And so God was going to honor his end, and he had already done what he said he would do, which was to multiply the descendants of Abraham into this great nation. And he was still going to send them to possess and care for this land, this promised land and inheritance to them, just like he told Abraham. But this time, he wasn't going to go with them. So that was the demand. They still had the same terms, uh, but through Moses, he was going to rem- he was not going to go with them, and they would have to institute a priesthood in order for God's presence to be among them because ultimately that was God's desire. Yeah. And here's what God said to them. We'll just read from Exodus chapter 33. God says to them, "Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way." And now remember, this is the Exodus. This is God delivering millions out from slavery in Egypt, the the descendants of Abraham who he was in fellowship in a covenant with that he wanted to give their own land to possess and to care for. Here he comes to bring the deliverer, Moses, to take them to this land that he promised, but this time he would not go with them. And so the people cried out to God in repentance. We've talked about that several times on this podcast. And so God, again, established the terms of the covenant. God says he would go with them into the promised land that he was given them to possess. But the Israelites were to build a tabernacle to ordain the priest, to institute the sacrifices, and to do it exactly the way that God said. So here we see we've moved from the uh, Abrahamic covenant now to the Mosaic covenant where God will be with them, but the version of God being with them now looks very different from the garden. It looks very different from walking with Adam and Eve. It looks very different from talking to Abraham and, and walking with him in faithfulness. Now it looks like God's holiness can be, has to be contained to one space. And in order for one priest to enter into that, there had to be sacrifices done and it had to be done exactly to a T the way that God yeah. said it so that the presence of God could dwell with the people. Here we see, even with the regulations that God placed, his desire shines through. I want to be with you. That's ultimately what God wanted. 
He wanted to go with them. And so he did. As they moved towards the promised land in this mobile tabernacle, God would come and fellowship with them until they came into uh, this next piece of the covenant, this next piece to God's restorative plan that we see, the Davidic covenant. So now about 400 years after that, once the nation was settled into the land that God had promised them, he kept his end of the deal. Mankind did what mankind has done. They did not keep theirs. They were now living as a united nation under the rule of King David. Now they were purposed to build a permanent dwelling place for God, God's ultimate desire and, and purposed to his plan. And this was to be the temple. This is where the people could continue to uphold this covenant system, this mosaic peace, right, with the priesthood and the sacrifices so that God's presence could dwell. But this time it would be a permanent dwelling. God would always keep a descendant on the throne of David. And this was the piece of the covenant that God, the promise that God made to David specifically. If you make me a permanent dwelling place, I will keep your descendant on the throne forever. And all the while, almost like background music, I imagine God still remembers the promise that he made in Genesis chapter 3. Immediately after the fall, he promised to send our redeeming uh, Savior who would crush the head of Satan. And this would come from the line of David. And that's what's being fulfilled here in this covenant with David. He's remembering and recalling to all of us, I'm faithful to what I said. Your descendant will be on the throne forever. David now, and the, and the people were to walk faithfully with God, to uphold the terms of the tabernacle, the temple, the priesthood who would make sacrifices on behalf of the people, and the circumcision of those in this covenant. Adam and Eve were created and lived in a perfect garden, but they left their perfect love. God established a covenant to bring them back. And then we see that the Israelites, they were delivered from slavery, right? There's this big exodus and established as a free nation, but they too left the redeeming love. God established a covenant to bring yeah. them back through Moses. Then David was established as an everlasting kingly lineage, but the subjects of the kingdom revolted against God who had established them in the first place. And then again, we see that God institutes a covenant to bring them back, but not only them. And I, I, I don't want this to fall flat. The whole point was that it would not be just them. Yes. That it would be for everyone. It would be for all Jews, Gentiles, those enslaved, those in free, men and women. Every person that has ever left their first love or looking for that love has an opportunity to have fellowship and to have a relationship with God. And every person is who God wants to see restored. That is why we should read the Bible because it is a a covenant that's wooing us, yes, trying to bring us into fellowship with Him and into a restored relationship with Him. Right, even through covenants that were with a specific family line. Sure. In that covenant with Abraham, God says, through your descendants, every nation that's right. on earth is going to be blessed. And so He was fulfilling that in every promise that He ever made through all these covenants in the person of Jesus. Right. Because when Jesus came, that was really God's final offer. That's, that's right. what we call the yeah. new covenant. And so... 
here are some pieces of that covenant. Number one, we have God's presence. Mm-hmm. And this is incredible because now there was no need for a tabernacle or a temple because God designed a forever redemption right. covenant so that he could dwell with us. In Moses' day, we read this in Exodus 40, 34, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Right. That was where he dwelt. But a Greek verb form of that same word, tabernacle, is used in John 1, 4, and it sounds Mm -hmm. like this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Literally, he tabernacled with us, coming to restore that perfect fellowship. And even though he ascended back into heaven, we still have it. That's right. Because he sent the Holy Spirit who dwells in us to Mm -hmm. be our advocate. And scripture says that now God still lives in us in that way Mm -hmm. when we're baptized into Christ. So in this new covenant, we have a guarantee of God's presence. We also have a guarantee of God's forgiveness. In this new covenant, there was no longer any need for a priesthood or a high priest who would come and make a sacrifice to roll over the year's sins at the next day of atonement because uh, that's what they did in the Mosaic Mm -hmm. covenant. I'll read to you Hebrews 9, 11, and 12 that contains the new covenant answer to that. It says, but when Christ came as the high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, and that to say is not part of this creation. He did not enter by the means of blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most high place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. So in this new covenant, we have God's presence, we have God's forgiveness, And we have this promise from God, God's promise, and that's that in this covenant that we as Christians enter into, just like in the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, we are going to be able to dwell with him Mm -hmm. as we keep our end of the covenant, the demands that are placed on us. As we've looked through these covenants, we consistently see there are demands placed on man and there are promises kept by God. And here's what's incredible about the consistency of this one story Mm -hmm. is that the requirements placed on us have really never changed. They look exactly like they did when God first came and called Abraham and made this covenant with him. He said, I want you to believe in me and to walk faithfully with me. That's what God wanted. That was the faithfulness that was counted to Abram as righteousness when he went out from his home into a place where God told him he would show him. He didn't even know where he was going. He was just following on faith. But I want you to look at the consistency of this story in how even in our meeting, our end of the demand to believe and to walk faithfully with God, the very specifics of that mm-hmm. are even the same. Right. Because a circumcision is still needed, but it's the fulfillment of that shadow. That circumcision, that cutting away of the flesh in the Old Testament is fulfilled in baptism in the New Testament, according to Colossians t- chapter 2. Colossians 2, 11 and 12 says, In him you were also circumcised, with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. So beautiful fulfillments we're seeing here. Christ went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, Mm -hmm. not made with human hands. Jesus performed a circumcision, but it was not done with human hands. 
But even a temple, right? The temple is still needed as we believe and walk faithfully with God. But that temple in its fulfillment in this new covenant is now me and you individually because Christ tabernacled with us so that his spirit could dwell in us. Here's how Paul put it in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God? You are not your own. So you see the consistency here. Believe and walk faithfully with me. Still ratify the covenant with the circumcision. Still be my temple so that I can dwell with you. So even a priesthood is still needed. But in its new covenant fulfillment, that exists in us again. But collectively, individually, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. And collectively, we are now a royal nation of priests as Christ's church. Under the Mosaic Covenant, these descendants of Abraham who were called out of slavery were supposed to function in this way. They were all supposed to be a royal nation of priests, according to Exodus 19.6. But we talked about this in a previous episode. When they worshipped a golden calf at the base of Mount Sinai, committing idolatry, the penalty for that was that those who stood on the side of the Lord were told to go back and forth throughout the camp, killing the idolaters. And those who came forward that day and stood for the Lord were the Levites. And so they were set apart. No longer was the whole nation of Israel a royal tribe of priests. But now there was just one tribe that carried the priesthood. Exodus 32, 29 says, Then Moses said, You have been set apart to the Lord today, for you were against your own sons and brothers, and he has blessed you this day. But now in its fulfillment, we, the church, are that royal priesthood. Peter put it this way in 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So as we go through the Old Testament and we look at these covenants, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, all of these elements are not put away. They just find fulfillment in God's final offer in this new covenant of Jesus that carries on this unfolding story of God restoring fellowship. So, Tina, we've gone through the old the old covenant, the new covenant, the the shadows from the Old Testament, the fulfillment in the New Testament. We've talked about how this unfolding restoration story of of God's love wanting to be with His creation individually with us. Has unfolded and how it's all in this one book. Yeah, and for us, that's thrilling. It is thrilling. That's the best story ever. But what if maybe someone is listening or watching along, and you're going, mm, "That doesn't just wow me, right? That connection, that parallel from the Old Testament covenant, the the perfect fulfillment in the New Testament, man, that's just not hitting me the same way." Uh, I, we want to encourage you to pause here and and take a deep breath. It's not complicated. It's not beyond you. It's not too big for you. And it's okay that it doesn't overwhelm you with excitement the very first time that you hear it. Um, and so if it falls flat on you, if you're not experiencing this, this awe of the perfection of God's Word, it's likely that you just haven't given it a shot yet. When you find these fulfillments on your own, when it's tangible and it's right in front of you and you see God up off the page and really sitting with you, it will have that effect on you. Um, And so if you're not processing it, 
Uh, we want you to know maybe it's because you don't personally know it yet, but you can. And it takes just a commitment to start. Start on one page, then read another page, and then read it all the way through, but have that open-ended commitment to it. And then when that moment hits, you're going to go, wow, God, this is an invitation to me personally, and I'm so glad I opened it up. Yeah, because a, a podcast can't do that for you, sure. right? You really need to personally, personally connect with the Word of God, like you keep saying, Stacy, because this is God's invitation to you personally and how He wants to be in perfect relationship with you. So let's just recap this big picture that we've seen so far that's canonized in our right. hands today as the Bible, it began with perfection. We got that Genesis 3.3, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. After his six days of creating, God rested with mankind. He was resting and ruling with man in perfection. Then he establishes an old covenant. Now in Leviticus, in the Mosaic covenant, I want to share this with you after God had given instructions about setting up this tabernacle and ordaining mm -hmm. the priesthood and performing the sacrifices. Here's what he says in Leviticus 26, 11, and 12. I will put my dwelling place among you and I will not abhor you. I will walk mm -hmm. among you and be your God and you will be my people. Right. See, everything about that part of the covenant, that temple tabernacle, was just a model of God's original plan to rest and rule with his people. That's why we have all these uh, sculpted golden pieces yeah. in the temple and tabernacle that look like blossoms and flowers. Yes. God's just recreating this space mm -hmm. where he originally rested and ruled with man. And yet we can see that it was never the full and final right. plan because every shadow in the Old Testament, while it was pointing back toward the garden, there were accompanying prophetic announcements that were pointing to something that was much bigger and wider and deeper than just a confined copy of heavenly right. things, right. something man could build. And so in Christ we enter into the fulfillment, the big piece of that that's not built by human hands right. in the new covenant. Because when Jesus came to earth, heaven touched earth right. when that happened. We're no longer dealing in the realm of what man can create. And, and Matthew one twenty two puts it like this, the virgin will conceive and give birth mm -hmm. to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see this continued theme. This is all about mm -hmm. just God resting and ruling with his creation, back in perfect fellowship, just like in the Garden of Eden. But the full and final right. restoration mm -hmm. that comes with this new covenant is fulfilled for us in John's vision that he receives, that Christ gives him in the book of Revelation. And so I want to sit with that for just a minute, because that, that new covenant is God's final offer, mm -hmm. but it's not the end of the story sure. yet. So... In the book of Revelation, Jesus made a charge against the church at Ephesus. He said this in Revelation 2.4, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Now, that's what this whole episode is about, right. is that man and woman walked away from a perfect first love. And every single one of us have done that. Right. In some way, we have all failed to uphold the terms of the covenant to believe God and walk faithfully with him in perfect fellowship. But then Jesus adds... 
after he makes this accusation, this charge against the church at Ephesus, he says in Revelation 2, 7, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, Mm -hmm. which is in the paradise of God. Wow, that shoots us right back to Genesis where we started this thing, the paradise of God, that was the birthplace of humanity, the Garden of Eden, and it's the place where that perfect first love relationship was born, where God was walking with mankind in the cool of the day. And here's what's so powerful about this. We find that the Bible begins in a garden and it ends in a garden. And that final garden, the one that is ultimately restored to look just like Mm -hmm. the Garden of Eden again, is recorded, the description of it, in the very last chapter of God's story, and it's in Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. And I want us to read this together because there's no better way to wrap up this season. John is having this vision given to him by Jesus, and he describes it in this way. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit. (laughs) I have a hard time with this. Yielding its fruit every month. (laughs) And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the lamp of a light or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign with him forever and ever. That's God's love story. (laughs) That abiding in his word is going to bring you back to that first love. Because whenever you read it, and whenever you read all of it, here's what you're going to find. Is that God loves you so much that he has made everything that has ever happened since humanity broke fellowship with him in the garden revolve around just one purpose. And that purpose was to bring us back into a perfect love relationship with him, Mm -hmm. back to the Garden of Eden. We have to love God, and that love is going to be deepened, It's going to be established. It's going to be uh, made whole. Mm. It's going to be returned to what it's supposed to look like when we are committed to understanding who he is and that he loved us with that kind of love that would pursue us through millennia to break the curse and to bring us back so that we could rest and rule with him for all of eternity. That is the beauty of reading the whole word of God. Absolutely. And both the guard from one garden to the other, none of it made by man, every bit of it perfect, every bit of it fulfilled. You can't make it up. Yeah. And it will leave you in a place of, I've never known a love like that. Right. It's all I've ever wanted. It's all I've ever needed. And when you grasp that love, when you're in this level of all of his plan, you're not going to find that anywhere outside of where he put it. And it's Again, it's not in a place that you can't understand. He clearly wrote it out. He is the creator of knowledge and understanding, and he wrote it in a way that each of us can have it, know it, and understand it. And so we lead women 
many, many women through the whole word of the Bible, and this is always the same call, that you will fall deeper in love with God every time you commit to his word. And it's not just, I know Tina would agree, it is not just that we want you to read it from start to finish so you can say you did it, to just know the things of God, but to know God, to abide in him is to desire to live in this. There are many seasons of my life that are marked out by a Bible. And I look at the Bible that, and I hold it in my hand and I remember everything about that season marked by reading it from start to finish because I lived in it. I saw him in it. And that's what we want to encourage you to do. And a tool that we have that Tina has worked really hard to put together, um, an offering uh, her accompaniment guide is is a resource that we hope that you will use to read the Bible from start to finish. And within it, um, we see that it, it will help you accomplish three things. Number one, uh, to recognize God's loving nature and character. On every page of every day in that accompaniment guide of reading from start to finish, there is a call to see God's nature and character because that's the point, right? Second, to see how every book and chapter in the Bible points towards God's loving plan revealed in Jesus Christ, exactly what we've done today, going through everything, Old Testament, New Testament, one book to the next, and to see how God is on every page telling us about Jesus. See, here's my son. See, here's my plan. Here's my love for you. Here's my desire to be with you. And thirdly, uh, to connect to God's greater purpose, which is to bring us back into an unhindered garden, perfect Garden Eden, Garden of Eden relationship with him. This book uh, that Tina has uh, produced will be available on May the 19th. It's being produced by Renew.org, which is also another excellent resource uh, for information and tools uh, across topics, right? As you enter into this journey, we encourage you to check that out. And we uh, highly encourage you to pick up uh, that resource step into scripture as you make this commitment or continue through the commitment that you've made so far. Yeah. So we want to close out this season with one final passage from Revelation, because this this biblical covenant, this new covenant that we're talking about, it's all about Jesus Christ, about the love of Jesus, about the kingdom that he builds, mm-hmm. about the healing that he gives, and about the presence that he is restoring. Yeah. That's what all this is about. And he did this so that all humanity could have our sins removed and have that ability to return to the garden and rest and rule with God, our creator. So let's end it with this, and uh, this, this sums it up beautifully. Revelation 21, 3 through 7. Mm-hmm. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write these down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. To those who are victorious, they will inherit all this. I will be their God, and they will be my children. That's the whole Bible. That's why you need to read the whole Bible. And after you've been through that story, those words from Revelation will 
will have much uh, deeper significance and deeper meaning, and you will long for them like you've never longed for anything else in your life. The whole Bible gives us God's promise of His presence here with us now, carrying us through a broken world, and God's presence with us forever in heaven, unhindered by anything, because perfect love and perfect fellowship is eternally restored to those who are victorious. That is our inheritance, and that is God's story. And that is why you should read it. That's why. So thank you guys for joining us. We look forward to seeing you back in season two. 